Welcome to Conversations About Care, a podcast for pediatric clinical providers. Hi, this is Sandy Hassan, and I'm the Medical Director for the American Academy of Pediatrics Institute for Healthy Childhood Weight. And I'm excited to share today's conversation. Stay tuned. So I'd like to welcome everybody today to our podcast, and I'm delighted to introduce to you my two guests. First, Dr. Natalie Moose, who's a pediatrician and registered dietitian and founder of the Well Clinic in the Children's Primary Care Medical Group in San Diego. Natalie also co-authored the Clinician's Guide to Pediatric Nutrition and is a former section chair of the Section on Obesity. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you, Sandy. It's really a privilege to be here. And our next guest, and you've heard from uh, this guest before, is Dr. Chris Bowling, who is now a retired general pediatrician with greater than 30 years of pediatric experience in the Cincinnati area, also a uh, former chair of the section on obesity and member of the clinical practice guideline writing group. Um, So welcome, Chris. My pleasure to be here, Sandy. Thank you. So as as those of you who listen to this podcast know, I like to ask my guests how they got involved in childhood obesity. So Natalie, I'll pose that question to you. How did you how did you get to the place where you are and so involved in childhood obesity? Yeah, well, so my story um goes way back really to to my own experience um as a school age child. I really had a lot of difficulty and struggled um with obesity myself. And I, um, in that process, and kind of when I was a teenager, I had really done a lot of work and with my family and, and support to help me to be as healthy as I could be. And really a culmination, um, to make a long story short, is when I was a, a junior in high school, my mom and I hiked the Grand Canyon together. And my mom had struggled for a long time with a lot of um, comorbidities kind of related to, to weight and stuff like that. At that moment, um, we had gotten support from a a personal trainer actually to kind of do that. From that moment, I was really like uh, very connected with that experience and knew that I wanted to go on and be able to just um, focus on and promote and support people and families and optimizing their health. And that actually um, stayed with me through college. I did my training in nutrition before medical school because I really wanted to have that perspective as I went through the medical um, process. And from there, I knew I wanted to do pediatrics. And since then, I, I was very sure, even when I got out of residency, that obesity treatment was going to be part of my practice alongside primary care pediatrics to really incorporate my passions all kind of all together. And for the last uh, 11 years, that's really um, what it's been in, in holding together primary care pediatrics and the role of prevention and support we can provide as, as pediatricians, as well as um, Beyond that, really being able to provide optimal and sensitive treatment for kids who who have obesity. So, Natalie, I love that you you you've walked the walk, literally walked the walk in the Grand Canyon with that inspiration. It is it is really inspirational, and this is why I like to ask uh, how people got involved because I think we all get inspired by each other's journeys along the way. So, thank you very much for sharing that. And and Chris, how did you find yourself uh, so involved with obesity? 
So Natalie and I have talked about this a lot. It's, it's always interesting to, to discuss this with Natalie because we have a similar sort of pattern. I think I know my attraction to helping kids with obesity comes from a personal history with it as well. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think I was always going to be involved with it in some way, trying to help kids who maybe um, didn't feel like they were part of um, other things and also concerned about health and concerned about wellness kinds of issues. Um, so when I went into pediatrics, I really, I, I didn't know exactly that that part of my history was gonna come back. But in the practicing, starting practice in the early 90s um, and seeing how the obesity epidemic really started taking hold, um, it became evident to me that that was a bit of my calling in this profession, was to get back in touch with helping kids who struggle with obesity. And so for me, it's, it's personal, um, yep. and it's also a big part of uh, why I got into pediatrics in the first place. So I thank you for that, Chris. And I think a lot of us involved in obesity really feel like it's a calling, that it's something we were called to uh, on behalf of, uh, of the kids. And I can't think of any more two perfect people to have authored our new clinical report on uh, the role of the pediatrician in promotion of healthy, active living. And to sort of tee up our discussion, I'd like to ask you, Natalie, can you tell us a little bit about like what a clinical report is and, and why this clinical report came to be. Sure. Uh, so clinical report uh, published, you know, through the American Academy of Pediatrics and Pediatrics Journal is really rooted in the best evidence available to help guide pediatricians who are on the front lines, who are providing care to children and being able to offer some really solid, informed, evidence-based guidance of, of what you might consider doing in a, in a given situation. This particular clinical report is an update um, to a previous clinical report, which was the role of the pediatrician in the primary prevention of obesity. Uh, the title has changed. The content is very similar, but the title has changed because it goes beyond obesity as a condition. Um, we can't prevent necessarily, you know, all of it or, or much of it, but we can do things that that help support families and children and being healthy. Um, and so we really honed in on this report on the key areas that pediatricians can provide guidance based on the best evidence to help children to be healthy, um, regardless really of, of weight at all, but to be able to, to help families be healthy and recognize very early on if there are concerns, um, how, to, how to address them in a very sensitive way and, and to really help support children and their families on the front lines. Yeah, thank you. And I love, uh, I love your focus on the front lines because that's where most of our children are gonna get the first uh, help in, in living a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, most of the children under five, for example, see pediatricians in this country, and we are sort of the platform for the, the children's health. So, Chris, if, if I were going to ask you to just pull some things that, that are highlights for you from, from this report, can you give us a few highlights in your mind, knowing that it's a big report and it does cover a, a quite a comprehensive way of dealing with a healthy lifestyle? You know, I think there are several pieces to it, and I, I really we're proud of the recommendations that are in the report. Uh, some of what it is is a reinforcement, I think, of things that we have been thinking work, but I think we have more evidence and more experience to say that really do work. Um, I, 
I'm, as you know, Sandy, I'm a big proponent on using motivational interviewing. And I was glad to have that piece back in there. Just, you know, we've had that in the, in the clinical practice guideline. It's also in here, just as a reminder that this is not a technique that um, is just a one-off sort of thing and sort of the, the idea du jour, it, that it really is a practice principle that we need to be using both in obesity prevention and obesity treatment. I think it also is really useful, uh, and I was uh, happy to be part of a document that really stressed the importance of sleep. I know Natalie's going to talk more about that, but I think that sleep is something that we forget about mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit in practice, that we should spend a lot of time talking about that. And there are a lot of good reasons with, with nutrition and obesity and healthy living being a major part of that. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And Natalie, we're going to continue to talk about the whole document, but what for you stood out uh, in this? So we really cover in this document um, five key areas that are very interactive with each other and that really put, pull together a puzzle um, that helps in promoting you know, healthy living. So much of the time when we, when we think about these things, I think naturally pediatricians will think you know, nutrition and physical activity, they're so important. But as Chris mentioned, the sleep piece is critical, the screen use piece is critical, and the social emotional wellness piece is critical. So those are really the five areas, nutrition, activity, sleep, screen use, social emotional wellness that we dig into in the statement in, in a developmentally tailored way. So pediatricians will know, you know, what are the guidelines or what's the best practice in offering recommendations or discussion with families around these five key areas at different stages of their development. And then taking into account the broader context of um, social determinants of health and, you know, there's the family level conversations, but in the community and institutionally and, and how does all this uh, fit together? We really help pediatricians to, to know and to have good foundation of like what to do and how to have these conversations in a sensitive way, as Chris mentioned with motivational interviewing in a very sensitive way that works with families to help support them in, in achieving you know, goals that they may have for their family or for their child. So thanks, Natalie. And there are a few areas that I think did change a little from the last report because we know more. So one of them is really the link to mental health. And could, do either one of you wanna just talk a little bit more about social emotional wellness and mental health and healthy lifestyle? Well, it kind of goes both ways. Um, so one is we know that when kids have um, routines around healthy nutrition, incorporating physical activity, having good sleep at night, you know, having moderation to screen use, it, it benefits their social emotional wellness. It's protective for them. We also know that uh, many of these habits, like nutrition, physical activity, for example, is a very effective treatment for something like um, depression or anxiety, it's often overlooked and really has strong evidence that supports its value in helping um, to, to address those conditions, you know, alongside other treatments or, you know, sometimes itself potentially, um, or physical activity for ADHD, things like that. So I think that this um, statement helps to remind us of that really important relationship, but also provides the evidence and shows that there's studies that show this, these, this is what we can be doing um, for each of these areas that I mentioned, the five areas, including the social emotional wellness, 
this is what we can be doing in some of these other areas of healthy living that are actually going to help support um, the child in whatever domain maybe there is there is the most challenge or difficulty at the moment. It's so important to get that kind of holistic picture. You know, especially in the in the era we are now with the mental health crisis, uh, with probably preceding but then exacerbated by COVID. So, um, in your thinking about approaching the whole child, um, pediatricians often get overwhelmed. The kids are coming in with lots of lots and lots of issues, and you're trying here to 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 really you know look at the whole child. How how what are some things that you might ask pediatricians or recommend that pediatricians to do to either tease this apart or begin to to follow a thread? How how are they going to to, to get a grip on this when the kids are coming in uh, with with maybe problems or issues or or things they want to deal with in in more than one of these domains? How do you how do you start to tease that apart? You know, I was going to say that those of us who go into obesity work, we tend tend to be people. I've, I've said this a million times that we tend to be people who like who are chaos lovers. We tend to be people who try to make sense out of such a chaotic situation, and that's what a lot of our families are encountering. So, I think the role of the pediatrician is not to fix everything at one time. Um, it is to figure out what is most important to that family and to help them in an area that they're ready to go with. You know, one of the things too, I think there are some win-win situations too. When we have kids that are acting out and their behavioral things, you know, some of the guidance that the that the statement makes is around, you know, healthy eating practice um, and early childhood nutrition. I think the role of a pediatrician is taking some of those situations that could be stressful situations and trying to help families turn them into more positive experiences, you know, family meal times and non-authoritarian, but but directive sort of feeding practices, that those things are helpful, both from a nutrition and healthy living perspective, but also helpful from a mental health and parenting perspective. So I think it's a mixture of reassurance that families can go the direction that they want to go in and trying to make nutrition and healthy living part of a broader positive mental health experience and behavioral experience for families. Yeah. And then would you like to add something yeah. to that? I would, yeah. I, I agree with everything that Chris said. I don't know about every practice. In our practice, we have um, patient, we call them patient answered questionnaires where they're given a tablet before a well check and have a variety of different um, behaviors and you know, asking concerns, things like that, so we can get some baseline information. And using that baseline information, as well as the concerns that the family may have, as Chris mentioned, can be very helpful in focusing on whatever area of these domains or elsewhere that really is of priority to the, the family and the child. Um, and then from there, starting with the baseline and their engagement or interest in discussing further, having a conversation about it and if it's appropriate with shared goals or helping to better understand the environment in which the child is you know is living and if there are opportunities to be able to help support the 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 healthy choice being the easy choice or being kind of the default um choice you know in the family i'd also wanted to just um mention because it's a really important part of the statement too and for primary care pediatricians is the growth chart 
and how reviewing the growth chart with the family in a sensitive way and recognizing if there's changes in a child's percentile over time, regardless of where they, what the actual percentile is. But if you're noticing, you know, big changes over time, having conversations around that in a sensitive way, if, if there's other things that may be going on that are affecting that, or if the child is starting to move beyond what it seems like is their natural genetic place that they've been for the last eight years, you know, is there anything that changed or that's different that's going on, you know, these past six months or one year? And I find in my experience, starting there and just asking, like, is anything different um, opens up a lot of conversation and understanding of like what's going on and what they care, what the family cares about or the challenge they may be having. And then the small things um, that that can end up making a pretty big, pretty big difference that they come up with or that they that they want to do that we help kind of guide them towards. I so resonate with your use of the growth chart as just a, a way to, to say what's going on, what's happening here, has something happened, and just opening up that conversation. I think we all uh, struggle with how to start these conversations about how people are living and making their choices. Chris, any anything you, you use uh, to do that? Well, you know, and I think it's important to, uh, one more word about the growth chart, is I think we've entered a sort of a different phase and different relationship with the growth chart over time. You know, it used to be like, if you're in this zone, you should say this. If you're in this zone, you should do that. And I, I think the way Natalie's describing it and the way you're describing it too, Sandy, is it's a, it's a stepping off point. It's more about like, where are we going on the chart? What does this chart mean for you in particular? It's a much more individual discussion. Like if we look at this in the context of, you know, these are normed charts and for a long time we were using charts that were not really representative of the diversity of our country. And so I think we're, we're more in tune with using those growth charts as an individual measure and an individual stepping off point for a broader discussion, not a prescriptive, if this do that sort of chart. Um, so I, I would I would totally second the growth chart as being a really important piece of it. And Natalie said questionnaires are really helpful. I think one of the things that for pediatricians we sometimes forget how important that longitudinal understanding of families is. You know, I think to me the most meaningful discussions I've had with families over the years have been things that you know about the family. You know, you know what happened with their older siblings. You know what happened um, with their family. You know what ha what's happening in your community. And you can, using those things in context to talk about things. You know, for example, I would say, you know, like a lot of times with my family's, my practice being in Kentucky, we have very um, uh, high rates of obesity in our rural communities. So putting things in context for families and saying, like, how is this looking in your school district or knowing what's going on in that school district that they have very high rates of obesity? What is this? You know, what are your thoughts on this? So I think knowing that personal history is important, too. And I love that about this report that you were very holistic and looking at the whole child, the whole family, the whole context in in your application of sort of how you're thinking about how to help this child. And I also love the approach of being open-ended. These are conversation starters. You're starting conversations with families. You're not ending conversations by just giving blanket advice. You're starting conversations and trying to partner with the families, which I think is so important. The other thing I was 
so happy to see and struck by was the developmental approach that you took right from infancy. And could you talk a little bit about how you you just thought about that and and why that's such a prominent part of this report? Yeah, this this report is really intended to help pediatricians provide guidance and be thinking about guidance across the entire range of children that they see and starting with infancy, toddlerhood, preschool, school age, adolescence. We need to really be thinking about opportunities to make positive impact on our families at every stage. Um, and the earlier, the better generally, which often um, we don't necessarily are always think about. Uh, and it kind of goes back to the growth chart and kind of noticing things early on and having conversations uh, in a positive way from the get-go. We wanted to provide pediatricians the information for these five domains of like what is recommended, but then how to have the conversation, how to help guide families um, at, at each stage. And, and to get beyond, like Chris said, the blanket recommendation of just something very prescriptive and go do this and, you know, beyond move more and eat less. Like that's not what we're going for. We really wanted to provide grounded, helpful, useful information that's gonna help children and families to, to be healthy and to thrive. And so we really wanted to give pediatricians the solid information, the tools to be able to do that with the spectrum of the kids they're seeing, age-wise, developmental-wise, where they're at in their life, um, ability-wise, like really just to be thinking in a very um, holistic, comprehensive way. And don't wait. Don't wait to give this advice, right? Just give it as part of your routine is what I'm getting from that report. Make this part of what you you offer to to patients across the the age span, but but all patients, right? Not to wait for scenarios to crop up. Yes, and to have good solid information and guidance for the pediatrician of like how to say it, what to say, what is actually um, evidence based guidance around certain things like nutrition, there's all kinds of stuff out there. So we really yeah. wanted pediatricians to have the tools of like, this is what we, at least based on all the evidence that we have now and where things are at, this is what we know, um, which reminds me, you know, one of the things we talk about in the report too, is like ultra processed foods, for example, and like guidance around that, like that hadn't been something that maybe everybody's thinking about yet, but we have some evidence for that. So we really do try to, we're going beyond what a pediatrician might know already, although mm -hmm. pediatrician knows a lot about these things, we want to go beyond that and really help to 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 up the level of one knowledge on these areas of uh, across those five domains for the general pediatrician, and two, really helping the pediatricians to have the skills and the tools mm -hmm. to then take knowing that to having a productive conversation with a family that really is is collaborative and supportive and is going to help the family and the child to feel positive as they leave and really motivated to change if appropriate if there if there's needing to be some kind of change or helping on a broader level beyond the individual and the family but in the community and, and institutionally and, and even on a policy level. Oh so well said. Thank you. Thank you for that. Chris, anything? Yeah, I was going to say Natalie deserves a real shout out on this one too because it was her vision to really put this in the context of bright futures and make it consistent with the way we as pediatricians think about our patients and how we counsel them and everything else. So it, it was clearly written by a general pediatrician who understands how general pediatricians think. And so that, like I say, that entirely goes to Natalie's insight and, and vision to put this document in that kind of context for pediatricians. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it so much because, again, you're not waiting for 
an issue or a problem. You're meeting the family, every family where they are right at the moment, whatever developmental stage a child's at, and, and offering this help in these very important domains. So Natalie, is there, we've talked about a lot. Is there any particular subject or, or in within the report you'd like to highlight for people? Maybe new evidence or might not be aware of? Well, I think the thing that uh, pediatricians who read this are gonna like the most and what our reviewers felt and, and what we got a lot of really positive feedback on is a really great table that takes a developmental approach in those five domains that I mentioned and really helps pediatricians to have the tools, information, to be able to have conversations around those areas in a developmental way. And I think um, just to kind of add to what you had just said, Sandy, also, it's, it's, it, it provides us a tool and a way to give guidance, but more than that, and I think what a lot of pediatricians might really value, is it helps you have like the answers to the questions that the families are asking you. So it's not really us like giving them necessarily advice. It's like they're asking a lot of questions about um, nutrition and infancy and what should I be doing? And they're asking a lot of questions about how do I handle picky eating and, and how do I manage my, you know, my toddler's eating behaviors and how do I negotiate? Like I know what they should be eating, but they won't eat it. So what do I do? Um, we actually help in this report to, to give pediatricians the answers, you know, the best evidence of how to like address those questions, which I think um, will, will be helpful for, for a lot of pediatricians who are getting inundated with these types of questions all the time and don't necessarily know what the best evidence says should be the, should be the, the response to that. Well, this goes back to my statement about two very uh, important people to be part of the writing group because your hearts were really with the general pediatricians. I can feel that you were really trying to to, to meet the pediatricians where they are, getting all these questions and having uh, to deal with all of this. Chris, anything else you'd like to highlight out of the report? There is, and this sort of comes a bit of a timely question. Um, yesterday, I was giving a, a testimony to the Kentucky State Legislature on funding for obesity treatment, and a legislator sort of wandered into my trap unknowingly she said, you know, we're talking about obesity treatment. Why aren't we talking about obesity prevention? And, you know, we should be really focused more on this. We should be doing more about not letting kids get to this unhealthy position in the first place. And my response, the first time I got asked that, I hadn't had a very good answer formulated, but I was able to say, you know what, this is not an either or proposition. This is a both and proposition. And I think one of the things that Natalie uh, lays out here, um, and, and Tammy and I tried to help, but N Natalie did a fantastic job of really laying out that these are recommendations, but this is an area too that we continue to need to get advances in. We're, we're getting some advances, maybe more quickly in the treatment zone. We really need mm -hmm. um, support, more support for coming up with better ways of preventing um, these health conditions in the first place. So I think that this, this statement, like the clinical practice guideline for the treatment of obesity, is also a bit of a clarion call to say, we need more work in this zone. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's gonna be coming also. So um, as we're coming to the close of the podcast, Natalie, I wanted to ask you if there's something that you would like to leave our pediatricians with about this clinical report. Yeah, you know, we talked about the growth chart and how important the growth chart is for the pediatrician and helping us um, in, in providing guidance. And certainly this is an updated report of the pre previous report of the role of the pediatrician in the prevention, primary prevention of obesity. 
Um, so looking at the growth chart, the weight piece, it is a it is a important piece of a puzzle, but it isn't the most important piece. And really, our statement wants to help pediatricians to look at the growth chart, be thinking about it, and also really emphasizing these um, the health piece aspects that help children of all weights and all risk um, really around nutrition, physical activity, sleep, screen and media use, and, and overall social emotional wellness. Um, we know these five areas make a huge impact in, in the health and well being of, of children. And pediatricians are uniquely positioned to really make a positive um, impact with families and in these areas. So really hope that this statement will help empower pediatricians to do that and really have tools to help focus on, on health, taking into account things that we notice or kind of discuss on the growth chart as well. Well, I just want to congratulate both of you and the other authors on this report. I think pediatricians are going to love it and find it extremely helpful and as they go on to take care of their children. So thank you both. And thank you both for being part of this podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation today. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. resources or opinions expressed during the conversations about care podcast series are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The topics included in these podcasts do not indicate an exclusive course of treatment or serve as a standard of medical care. Variations taking into account individual circumstances may be appropriate. The primary purpose of this podcast is to explore common themes related to quality pediatric care from the perspective of clinicians. This podcast series does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the expressed approval and knowledge of the American Academy of Pediatrics podcast developers is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast.